Welcome to the All Outdoors Photography Podcast with your hosts, Henry Doyle and Ryan Taylor, where we discuss all things related to outdoor and nature photography. On today's episode, Henry and I discuss our photography confessions, guilty pleasures, and the like. Hope you enjoy the episode. So welcome back to the podcast, guys. This is episode 11. Um, so basically, we're going to be talking about photography confessions. So that's like just kind of bad habits you get into as you do your photography, something you do over and over again. And it's just not productive at all. Yeah, it can be good or bad, I think. But um, like, like Henry said, I think it's just like habits that maybe just yeah. can't quite shake. But um, this podcast really is about, you know, hopefully opening that up, that idea of like, you may realize different habits you have with photography. And that could just be anything from photo editing to your compositional style to just pretty much anything you would ever have. So, Yeah. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and get into my first one here, and that is unnecessary use of tripod. So, like, when I'm doing my landscape photography, I feel like I'm on a tripod literally 100% of the time, which I really need to change because the percentage of times I'm doing a long exposure, which is, like, the only thing that requires a tripod, is, like, like I'd say 5%. Mm-hmm. So do, do you have this problem, too? Like... Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty much the same way. I use a tripod for pretty much 90% of my photography, um, and especially landscapes. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, like what you said, Henry, it's like long exposures. Definitely. Um, that's just like a no brainer. You could try, you know, I think early on we all kind of try that, you know, slow that shutter and handhold it, but obviously it doesn't, doesn't work at all. Uh, but I feel like just as a counterpoint, um, using a tripod, you know, helps slow down your composition. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least you're kind of like your thought process. Cause if I'm hand holding, I have to keep when, sh- which I have like really shaky hands as it is, but I have to keep it steady against, uh, probably, you know, with the viewfinder up towards my, my face and my eye or whatever. Uh, but mm-hmm. like, yeah, just the tripod helps me just slow down, think more through the process. I can kind of meticulously position it however I want. Um, like my Gitzo tripod doesn't have a center column, so I can, you know, have it low. I can do different perspectives, but um, I, I understand what you're saying. Like sometimes it could be like a creative crutch almost because I do admit that there's some times where I'm like, man, I really just need to like go out to a place and just shoot handheld and be okay with that. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. What really made me realize this was I went on a hike last week um, and for some reason I decided not to bring my tripod. I don't know. There was something about it that just felt so liberating. Like I could just like climb things and like get different angles. Like I just had my camera on a camera strap. I was just getting some abstracts of little fall leaves and just, I don't know. There was something about it. Like I didn't have to worry about, you know, adjusting the legs, adjusting the ball head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't that, know. That just becomes another thing you have to do. And like, I, I get what you're uh, saying. Cause yeah, I definitely agree. Um, like if there's a sunset and it's, fast approaching and you're just maybe you're just a little late to the location or it's like a, just a last minute kind of afterthought. Um, sometimes that tripod does get in the way um, and the ball head, like you said, or whatever tripod head uh, you have, you have on you, but like sometimes you just want to shoot handheld. And I do agree that it's like when I've recorded a few videos, just shooting handheld or like, you know, using a strap, like you said, Henry, is that it, it does feel kind of freeing because you feel more kind of mobile and you don't really feel like you're tethered down mm-hmm. to some spot. Um, I will say though, you know, cause early on, a lot of people think tripods are a hindrance due to their weight, but like, I definitely feel mm-hmm. like for me personally, it's essential to like what I do when I go out in the field. 
Yeah, I I agree with you there. Like, I'm going to still carry a tripod on every trip. But I think I'm going to just try to have, like, usually what I'll do, before I kind of had this realization, I would just have my camera in my backpack at all times, my tripod, you know, hooked back there. And when I saw a scene, I would kind of take my time, take out the gear, you know, set everything up on the tripod. So now what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to have my camera around my neck all the time on the strap and then have the tripod in case I see something that requires it. But I think it'll just be nice to always have that, you know, ability to just take a snapshot if you want. And maybe it'll be good. Maybe it won't. But I don't know. Just kind of. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Definitely. It's good to be, I think, like with outdoor photography, like we do, is that it's good to be versatile in uh, how you approach your, you know, photo taking. Um, not every, like you said, not every shot requires a tripod. Like, obviously, I'd say more than half, pretty much almost all my, honestly, all my wildlife shots, I don't really shoot with a tripod. I, I can't remember the last time I did, um, just because in that instance, the tripod does become a hindrance. Because, um, you know, like if I'm shooting a bird or a mammal, Usually they're on the fast, you know, the movements are really fast and rapid and I can't have this tripod slow me down. Um, yes, exactly. I, I will say though, uh, monopods, monopods are definitely a kind of middle ground option if you want that mobility and the stability. Um, so maybe that's something that, you know, the budding photographer could, you know, obtain and use. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've, I've actually never looked into a monopod. I should maybe think about that. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd... I'm lucky with my... Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm lucky with my uh, bird lens. It's pretty light, so I don't even know if I really need one. But uh, <laughs> do, do you find, do you ever do some landscape with a monopod? Like, can you get, I, I bet you could get slightly longer shutter speeds, right? <laughs> uh, I've never actually thought about that. I, I really can't imagine. I mean, I like nothing. <laughs> I don't imagine like a second long exposure, but maybe slightly longer, you know? I get what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. I get what you're saying. Um, I, I just, I, it's a good question. I never actually thought about using a monopod for anything other than like something yeah. like, like sports, I mean, or, you know, wildlife. Mm -hmm. Like I just can't imagine. That's, that's another reason why I need to get one. I was just shooting a football game on Friday and man, what my, my arms tired by the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I can imagine. Um, normally with my wildlife shots, um, what I do is I usually don't even carry a backpack most of the time. Cause that slows me down too. Um, like I yeah. said, just cause you know, wildlife is very fast moving or just you need to be really quick on your feet. And so, yeah, I usually don't even carry a backpack. I just have this, uh, I think it's a black rapid uh, double like chest strap harness. Um, so you can actually attach theoretically two camera bodies to it. Um, obviously I don't really need that, you know, that kind of feature, I guess. So I just use a single mm -hmm. camera body, which slings right over my side uh, with my big telephoto lens and, you know, the camera obviously. And then binoculars, you know, that always helps most of the time with wildlife feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So all right. I, so the next one actually, it's kind of it's along the same lines. I mean, we kind of already covered it a little bit, but um, it's shooting handheld. Um, at least for me, can feel lazy and feel overall kind of rushed. Which I know it sounds like a counterpoint a little bit, but uh, what I mean is that sometimes I get too much in the frenzy. Like if I'm visiting a new location, and I will, you know, just kind of stow away the tripod in the car, or I might not even bring it at all. And I get too excited in the moment of just click, 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 which I mean, we're all kind of guilty of it a little bit, but um, definitely I feel like handheld shooting can be, depending on the circumstance, be, you know, a valuable resource to you if you, you know, short on time or whatnot. I feel like it's a, it's a very situational thing. 
yeah all, oh yeah all these confessions they're not like black or white like they're all situational yeah. and they only pertain to this most of the time specific I mean, things but i would say if you're going on say a hike to a waterfall i would definitely bring that tripod even if you don't want to do a long exposure just you're going there for that subject so why not make sure you have the most precise composition oh yeah but maybe if, if you're just doing a hike and you know you don't have expectations you know why not just shoot handheld you know yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, like the tripod, like we just said, it's like it's it can become a hindrance, and uh, sometimes even shooting handheld can open up new perspectives to you. Like if you get down low, get down high. Um, if you do, like I do all my intentional camera movement, my abstract shots, those are all pretty mm -hmm. much done exclusively handheld. And um, depending on, <laughs> is it weird that I I do those on a tripod? Do you really? <laughs> How do you have well, like a gimbal? I, I kind of want. <laughs> Well, so I just loosen the ball head. I go up and down, so I get nice straight lines. Oh, wow, that's cool. No, I mean, what I, I don't do too much of them, though. So. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're. I, I mean, I try to think of my technique. I guess what I do is I like kind of brace my arms, uh, like against my kind of like my ribs and my chest, and I just hold the camera awkwardly, like really up close to my face, and I just kind of like swivel. Um, what do you call it? Pivot, pivot basically my upper torso and i'll just mid shutter capture just kind of go you know right along it but i mean that's how i do it. i've never actually thought about that i might want to pick up my gimbal and gimbal head and try that i don't know if you know who uh andy gray is yes He's like yes big, yeah he i think he does use a tripod for his stuff um a lot of his Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. I'm not sure. Someone does. <laughs> no, 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 you're good. Um, well, he's like the biggest name. I one of the biggest names, uh -huh. I think. Um, uh, and I found him from Thomas Heaton because they did a cross promoting thing. And, yep, same and, here. Yeah, same you here. Know, it's it's crazy how that happens. Um, and uh, Andy's great. Um, he's cool. Um, uh, great work for him. Um, what was I gonna say? Brain fart. Oh yeah, his techniques. Um, yeah, I feel like he uses the tripod a lot. Uh, but he also, you know, he shows you in the videos. He kind of just shakes the camera and they just kind of throws it around he's like he's looking at the the video camera and he's just like look what i'm doing you know just you know violently flailing the camera um but i think i think he really shines in his post-processing overall because he really puts a lot of attention to detail to that mm -hmm. but, but all right anyways yeah yeah so that kind of that kind of wraps up the handheld discussion here so kind of the next confession is overpacking. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't say this is a constant struggle for me, but I'd say every time I go on a trip where I'm spending the night somewhere, I'd literally bring everything. And it's it really kind of ruins the entire trip for me because I, I just bring all these chargers, all these accessories, just everything I could possibly need. But 90% of that stuff I just won't use. Well, I'm guessing you, you probably have struggled with that in the past, but. Yeah, well, are you, like, moving on foot the whole time with all this gear? I guess that's the question. I well, I mean, sometimes. I remember I went to New York. It's been about a year now, and I just packed everything into that camera bag. <laughs> My back was just, you know, in New York, all you do is just walk around all day. We walked probably 12 miles a day. Oh, man. man, my back was just messed up. <laughs> oh. Gosh. Because I, I, rent, I rented, like, a 16 to 35 F2.8 for that trip, just – you know, for the weekend and man, that, that was heavy. And I brought all my other lenses too. Yeah. I had my tripod strapped on too. Oh my gosh. Which, which was dumb. If you think about it, who needs a tripod in New York city? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I guess there's uses, but you know, 
you'd look so out of place like if you're shooting street and like you had a tripod or monopod with you <laughs> yeah uh yeah the funny part the funny part about that trip i only got like two usable images <laughs> in my thoughts so huh i it was i think it's because i rented really the long wrong lens i don't know but because it was just the i was on my crop sensor back then so mm. it was a 24 to 70 equivalent and that's a great range and all but I, you know, in New York, it would have been nice for a little bit more telephoto, but, uh, yeah. besides the point <laughs> I can overpack a lot. Yeah. I think, I feel like that's very fair. Like if, um, uh, I mean, most of us have vehicles, but like in that case, I would just bring more than I think I need. So like if I'm shooting maybe shorebirds or at least scouting or scanning, mm -hmm. you know, lakes for them, I'll bring uh, a separate tripod for that. I'll bring a pan swivel tilt, uh, one of those kind of like movie making ones with the handle on it. And then I'll bring mm -hmm. my spotting scope and I'll just keep that in the car or, mm -hmm. you know, I'll just bring extra gear because you never know. Like sometimes I just yeah. kind of, I mean, I, from my plan. I totally agree. Like we both have vehicles, you know, why not bring all you can in your car as long as you hide it or, you know, as long as you think it's safe enough to where it won't get stolen. Uh, oh yeah, yeah but definitely. I definitely suggest that, but what I'm just mostly referring to is traveling that can just go real wrong real fast. Yeah. It, bring that much gear. it becomes a problem when you're on foot. I think that's kind of where your topic, your choice is kind of going is what I'm thinking is that like, it's when you're just, it's you and your person and you have a back and it's like, do you overpack or do you underpack or yeah. some, somewhere in between, which is really a struggle. Cause I've tried to do the whole, you know, pack my life into a bag and go on an eight mm -hmm. mile hike and that, it's doable, but like, gosh, I'll be miserable the whole time. <laughs> and by the end, I'm yeah. like, oh, my, my back. You know, you can just feel it in your, like your shoulder blades and it's terrible. And Yeah, you feel great on the beginning, but once you get just far enough to where it's it too far to turn back, it starts to hurt. It quickly changes. Your mood just yeah. tanks. Yeah, I've, uh -huh. been, I've been there so many times. Um, I feel like it's also worth mentioning. It's like to pack smart for the location. Like if it's someplace you've been to before and you're familiar with, and let's say it's a one mile boardwalk. Well, in that case, I probably would just bring my whole bag. It's not going to be too much of a hindrance to me. But um, if it's like a big metro park that has like 16 miles of trail total, and I'm going to be out for like a whole afternoon, evening, you know, I might just sacrifice a few things just so I can spare my, you know, my back <laughs> the struggle of yeah. carrying up, and especially if it's the terrain, which is also very important. Like if it's really hilly, then, you know, of course you want to consider that and your own personal like physical adeptness, I guess. Some people just can't hack it. They can't have all that gear go up hills both mm -hmm. ways. And yeah, so it's all these things are important mm -hmm. to consider, I think, for, you know, outdoor photography and hiking. I mean, yeah. I mean, think about it. We both started photography fairly young. Imagine if we do this our entire lives, what our backs are going to be like when we're elderly. Very strong. Like, you got to <laughs> consider that. Well, very strong, but also maybe, you know, have, you could we could have some major issues you know you never know with that yeah because i know like soldiers and stuff that carry those horribly large packs around have oh, those major ruck, back issues rucksack yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah good point yeah i mean that's, that's kind of why i'm glad we started young <laughs> so we know the struggle yeah. now start uh -huh. later because mo most outdoor photographers um not to generalize but they're mostly older very old yeah, yeah. particularly like the retired crowd because it seems to be uh -huh something of a hobby and interest for most retired people but you know nothing wrong with that of course but and they're they're just as good like they 
yeah yeah it's just some of the best photographers are really really old yeah and it's it's doesn't matter where you start honestly so and a lot of them are like new just as new as us even like they just oh yeah a couple couple years in honestly yeah all right Um, all right so the next one is uh such an ongoing struggle for me but um i'll just simply say it's i love boring flat light and so what i mean (laughs) is uh basically a really blank gray sky day i don't mean like clouds i don't mean like you know depth in the sky i just mean like i love a just a nice what we quote unquote call a boring day of just gray like you know i mean a sheet of gray and nothing else And because, you know, when there's clouds and stuff, the lighting situation comes unpredictable. Like if the sun you know peaks out of the clouds, it changes the lighting. You have to adjust your exposures, yada, yada. But when it's just a gray sky day, I'm just kind of like, it's like a, just a big, you know, weight off my shoulders. Uh, no pun intended, like mm-hmm. we were just talking about, but, you know, just a big sigh of relief that I can just photograph freely, take as much time as I need to, pretty much spend the whole day out if I need to or want to. And the lighting's going to be consistent, so. Um, it's just something I'm really, I guess, guilty of sometimes is not choosing the more dynamic lighting because um, depending on the images, like if it's a landscape, I probably won't do it in this boring flat light. But if I'm doing like macro on flowers or something, you know, much more tighter and cropped in, then I really prefer this light much more. You like flat light or dynamic for macro? Um, I I gravitate towards flat, the flat kind of just blank light. Really? Yeah. This is more of like what I'm used to shooting in, I guess, a little bit. Mm. And plus it lasts see, longer, like I said. See, what I would suggest for macro, and I, I recently started doing this. I I was the same with you, but um, I really started going out on bright sunny days for kind of flower shots. So mm-hmm. I'd look for like the dots of light. And if there's light perfectly hitting a flower, you can kind of separate it from the background. Yeah, I, I'd done a lot of that. Like, um, mm-hmm. I've gone to like botanical gardens in my area, and I'd go on a blue sky day, midday even. That's um, even kind of how I got my start with doing this macro flower shots. And there would be just a lot of dramatic high contrast, you know, just typical high contrast, deep shadows. Like if there's a like a nice big flower, and it would just have an encroaching shadow kind of wrapped around it. And I don't, I personally don't like that look. I don't know. That's just me though. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely see what you mean on that neutral light. Like there would be periods of time where I wouldn't go outside for photography for like two weeks because no, no, no. I have to wait for that cloudy flat sky when I'm sure there were plenty of good shots I could have gotten in that nice dynamic light. Yeah. It's, I think it's the worst when I get like one day off a week, like a, just a whole day set aside. And I'm like, yeah. yes, I have you know all the time in the world to do whatever I want. And it's the sunniest day of the week. That actually happened recently uh, when I was photographing the covered bridges. All the days in between were super, super, like I was saying, boring, flat light, cloudy days, nothing going on in the sky. Then the one day I go out, it's just pure, you know, just deep blue and cumulus clouds. Bright highlights. Yeah. Yes, yes. The, the morning light was a little more pleasant, but even then, it, like by 9 o'clock, even 8.30, it was just already too high contrast and dramatic for what I was going for. Uh, yeah. Kind of, I, eh, it it kind of sucks, but it's like, yeah. it is what it is. I did a portrait shoot today for a client. Um, and it, I picked today specifically because it was supposed to be cloudy, but it got sunny really fast. Uh, <laughs> and there were some bright highlights, but I was actually pretty, pretty pleased. If you're, 
intentional about it and you place your subjects, well, obviously if it's nature, you can't necessarily place your subject, but if you find subjects in a bright highlight area, if it's large enough, you know, it'll still look good. You just got to avoid that combination of highlight and shadow. That's where you can really get tripped up. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very fair. Um, it's just, like I said, it's more of just a preference. It's not something that's a be all end all, but it's something that I just yeah. find myself for whatever reason, more gravitated towards overall. And if, if you're shooting waterfalls, I would say a hundred percent consider do going out on a neutral day. Oh t- yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I, I've tried, you know, I tried that many times and like we were just saying, it just is too high contrast and it doesn't really work out as well. Yeah. It's, it's definitely complicated and you got to remember that your eyes are different than what your camera sees mm-hmm. in the end of everything. Yeah. It's, it sees much, it sees things much differently than we do, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So the next one is unnecessary ND filter use. So for a long time, I got my ND filter, my first filter in Christmas last year. It was a six stop. Uh, I still have it, it's really good. But I would have it on my camera all the time. Even if there wasn't a long exposure, just for every landscape shot I took. Uh, of course I took it out for wildlife. I, I was smart enough to do that, but just gonna say. <laughs> not for the landscapes. Um, so even if I was in a forest, which is a low light situation, I would still have my ND filter on. And cause I don't know, I was taught somehow that the longer the exposure, like the sharper the image would be. And that's just not true. It's quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that is a problem. I broke, I struggled with a while ago and I'm still struggling with the extent. Um, yeah. So that, got, that's kind of a short, that's kind of a shorter point, but you do have to be careful with that. I got to ask. So is this like, was it just pure laziness or just like a lack of insight? Did you not realize it was on there or did you consciously, were you aware that it was on there? The filter? Oh, I knew it was on there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but some, sometimes I would get so into it that I just leave it on for like days on ends. Cause <laughs> okay, yeah. that's that's a new one. I think I don't know. So I mean, I don't. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Honestly, that's just so because most people are just UV filters are like perfection protection filters, and that's what they use at all times. But like an ND filter, just and a six stop one at that is just. Ugh. <laughs> hmm. But I, I do love that filter. I mean, if I'm if there's any kind of water, that's always on there for me. Personally. Definitely, yeah. At Six least... stop is like the sweet spot for me. That um, for waterfalls on a cloudy day, that gives me about a one second. Um, I would say for like sunsets and stuff, I would like a slightly longer filter, maybe a ten stop, so I can do like a thirty second to really blur out the water. Um, but I really like that six stop for kind of giving a good combination of motion and a little bit of blur too. Yeah. I'm just trying to imagine having like shooting landscapes or what, whatever, you know, at all times and having six stops of light just be removed. I just can't imagine that ending well, especially on a windy day. Yeah. 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 It took me a long time to realize that wind thing. Yeah. (laughs) You zoom in real close. Doesn't quite translate for a while. Yeah. Like once again, I guess it depends on what you're, you know, focusing on. Uh, but Uh Yeah, kind of the same thing with you said, waterfalls. Um, I find, especially with the much more faster flowing ones, like anything that's rapid, like white water, or just a really nice, beautiful 
like a really big size waterfall. The ND filters definitely do help, I think, overall with uh, long exposures. Um, the little creeks and everything, I have a lot of those in my area that I've photographed extensively. Um, I really don't find the ND filter helps because the water movements are so subtle as is, um, no matter where <clears> I'm positioned. So I really don't use it for that case. Yeah, but um, they're, they're definitely great tools, but you got to be careful. They're like sunglasses. Like, you got to think about it. Would you wear sunglasses in a dark forest? No. So just, you know, just don't put sunglasses <laughs> on your camera in a dark forest. It's that simple. It's like, just remember, it's like all the obvious things. Like, remember your battery. Remember to take off your lens cap. Remember your memory card. And then <laughs> make sure you have the proper filters you want on there, on your camera. Yes. Uh -huh. lens. <laughs> So. Well, uh, speaking of filters, I know you have a, another filter you tend to rely on quite a bit. Yes. Uh, so polarizer filters. I'm, like Henry said, with ND filters, um, I'm kind of the same way with polarizers. I pretty much keep those on at all times, um, except for wildlife. Once once again, that's kind of like the exception with a lot of these uh, confessions here. But uh, polarizers for me are just, I like the nice deep saturation they provide. Like if it's um, if there's like wet leaves on the ground and I want to, you know, twist that filter and it, you know, removes all the reflections. If there's water, like a waterfall, like we we're saying, um, it deepens, it makes the water more shallow, uh, removes harsh reflections and it saturates all the different colors. You know, if there's like foliage surrounding it, uh, and for, you know, the stop or two of light that you lose, I feel like it's really just not big of a consequence for what, you know, images I can take. Um, so overall it's really um, just filters I keep on at all times, honestly. Um, videos, sometimes I even keep them on for video, I think, but um, for photographing specifically, I pretty much use them for, I'd say about, you know, three quarters of what I've, you know, photograph. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are great filters. Um, you, you do know that, that that does block out about two to three stops of light. Is it two to three? I know that, but yeah. I was thinking a stop or two, but I guess mm -hmm. they're all about the same, I believe. Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously depends on the strength of the polarizer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I use Hoya ones, and if I believe they, at least the, the specific ones I use, they are a CPL uh, UV, I believe. So it combines the mm -hmm. features of a UV one and obviously the contact polarizing of the uh, the polarizer filter, essentially. But um, yeah, they, yeah they, that's cool. They, they darken. Yeah, they're very nice. Um, I think they're HRT. It's like the model or series they use, but... They're very, very good quality. Um, I will recommend, you know, if you get filters, don't skimp on those, of course. But Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, I have uh, the combination Polar Pro ND filter and polarizer. So that's kind of another reason why I always had the uh, ND on is because, you know, it had the polarizer. And at the moment, I plan to get a dedicated polarizer. But at the, at the time, uh, that was the only way I could polarize the scene. So I guess that's kind of another reason I kind of overly relied on that filter. <laughs> that's so weird. I think I got the, um, I don't know if you want to call it idea. It was, uh, I was reading about, uh, you know, Art Wolf. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe we talked about him a little bit. Cool. Um, yeah, uh -huh. he's, oh, he's a very good photographer. Um, he's a big reason why I got into this. And I think I read once on probably one of his blog posts or somewhere a video, I can't remember quite recall but he was someone asked about gear he uses and he said i he's like pretty much i use a polarizer filter at all times he's like i keep it on my lenses and he's like most people see that as a shock but you know i just find it essential and so honestly i just kind of copied him and started doing it and i was like you know what this honestly why not why not 
I mean, I I think it's just a nice way to look at images you take. I don't know. I just find it really is. I I agree. I agree. I I think there's some, it's almost, maybe I'm just too tethered to it now. Um, But like, you know, if I, when I do, if, or when I do break the filters, I get so distraught and like, well, there goes my great wildlife or sorry, excuse me, uh, waterfall images or the, you know, the landscapes where I can saturate the colors. And I actually, I will not take you know, a shot like that if I don't have a polarizer on just because I just don't like the mm-hmm. look it, it provides without it. Yeah. Um, and most of those effects cannot be replicated in post-production. Yeah. Um, of course, you, you can boost the saturation, but some of that highlight detail that gets removed cannot be done in post-production at all, especially when it comes to water. There's no way you can do anything with that without a polarizer. Like, there's no way you can get rid of that weird glare without yeah. that nice polarizer. Yeah, yeah, De- definitely a good point is that um, I feel like that's why I use them so much is that, you know, I know this is going to provide so much more benefits than outweighs the cost, like two or three stops of light. Mm-hmm. And like you said, post And especially if you're doing, especially if you're doing landscapes and there's not too much wind, you can just uh, turn down that shutter speed a little bit or lengthen that shutter speed a little bit to compensate. Yeah. And um, I personally don't use UV filters, at least I haven't in years. And this this for me in a way is kind of like acting like a UV filter as in what I mean is it's protecting mm-hmm. the glass element. So it's a dual purpose, but yep. um, I pretty much keep them on. Like, like I said, at all times on pretty much my three main lenses um, that's barring my telephoto, but I do actually have a te- uh, CPL for that telephoto lens <laughs> as weird as that <laughs> sounds and an ND filter one. So maybe there's maybe someday, a, you know, a long distance. Have you done a lot with that? No, I, I kind of bought them for the novelty and just to say that I have a filter set for all my lenses that was, you know, all, you know, the same or whatever. ND, Why not? UV, Why not? CPL. Yeah, I mean, it was affordable. Um, but mm-hmm. honestly, I don't see myself using it. I think it's a Bauer set. I think that's the name of the Bauer. Uh, but I imagine one day, maybe if I get like a long distant uh, mountainside, maybe there's fog or something I want to, you know, elongate with exposure. Yeah. Maybe I will use that. If you're, in Patago- if you're in Patagonia or something and you need to get a yeah. distant mountain. You want to get 600 mil, but you want to use an ND and CPL. Well, why not? You know, on a tripod, of course, yeah. but we can dream. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, that's pretty much all I had to say about that one. Yeah. With, with, with my 600, I'm lucky I can use the same filters I have already. So. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, I the- think I've only taken like one landscape, one or two with that, but uh, I definitely plan to do more. Mm. Is that with like adapters or what? Uh, it's actually 82 millimeters, which is the same size of the filters I have. So it's perfect. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. neat. Unfortunately, all mine are, all my filter sets uh, for my four lenses, they're all different. So it's just a struggle, ah. you know, Canon EF, but uh-huh. it's all good. All right. So the next one is judging other photographers. <laughs> so I am a very judgmental person. If I see you, I will most likely make a judgment. It's just kind of a personal thing. I don't know why it's a thing, but it is. Jeez. So uh, did you judge me? Just... <laughs> Maybe. When you met me? Oh, man. I hope it was favorable. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so I just like get defensive when I see other photographers. Like I'm always afraid. Like some of this is based though. Like for example, I was shooting a football game on Friday and there was this professional, I'm shooting for my school yearbook, which is not professional. There's this professional sports photographer with his big Canon (laughs) white lenses, everything. And he was definitely judging me. 
he was like looking me up and down like what the hell are you doing here get off the field um and i i pretty much do the same thing but i do that when i'm like out in nature and i see maybe a, a more amateur nature photographer and i don't want to do this but it's just kind of my instinct i, I need to get better but <laughs> i'm just a little bit ruthless when it comes to that That's so weird. do you like look down on them like i pity thee with my 600 millimeter no, <laughs> no, it, it's just it's just pretty much in my head like okay. i just you know like I, I instantly voice. judge them i'm never i'm never mean enough to say anything i just i don't know i <laughs> i mean is it like insecurity you think about your own work or probably like, or just probably. or just like that fear of judgment Most like oh, okay like you're like you're anxious about uh-huh. them thinking yeah. like like especially I guess with gear, it's like, oh, he's using he's not using Gitso tripods. What's wrong with him? Huh. Or uh, like, I'm, I'm definitely not using Gitso tripods. <laughs> well, I am, but I don't, I don't really look down on anyone who <laughs> <laughs> <It> doesn't. <laughs> right, really, right stuff makes good, you know, quality products too. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I'm trying to, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. So, is it like when you're going out in the field mainly, or is it like you're scrolling through Instagram or something? I would say mostly Instagram, honestly. No, no, no. I'd say like mostly like say I meet a new photographer. Probably the worst thing is judging people on gear, which I shouldn't do because I've been mm-hmm. in their place and I'm still in their place. It's not like I have top of the line gear or anything, but I'm just so into gear that I just like, oh, you're shooting with like a T3i? Like, <laughs> come on. Uh, 18 to 55. Yeah, I guess there's a there comes a certain point where you have to bite your tongue and not, you know, obviously not say anything or anything mean like that. There's a couple. There's I mean, I've never, I've never said anything, but it's just it's something it, I need to get better at. Sometimes you want to, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's like a few uh, Facebook groups I'm a part of that do like photography in my area and like, you know, just bird watching. So um, like we said, there might be generally older people, maybe they're just doing like backyard birding and they get like a really blurry shot. And I'm kind of just like, I, I kind of do the same thing where I'm like thinking in my head, I'm like, it's got like 12 likes and everyone's like great shot. And I'm just thinking like, oh, the lighting's terrible. It's out of focus. Uh, I can barely tell it's a bird, but like people like it. So it's cool. I mean, I'm not going to judge them for that. Uh, I just, I, I feel like Instagram too, just really, or just social media in general really does create that kind of insecurity game and jealousy game where you just kind of, you kind of just want to one up people for no good reason half the time. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd say I, I'm saying getting better every day, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. But yeah, <laughs> you're scaring me, man. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to. It's just I don't know. It's weird. I mean, there's one good time. Um, I think it was the last year. I went to. You, have you ever heard of Cedar Bog? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a, uh, up in Urbana, Ohio. And yeah, I went. I think it was yeah, summer 2019. I went for the first time. I was really excited because I've just always heard great things about this place. Uh, the floor of the fauna. Um, it's a beautiful boardwalk. It's not even that big of a place, uh, but it's just gorgeous. You know, it has endangered species, every, just everything. And I went, and there's the pretty well known Ohio photographer and naturalist, Jim McCormack, was actually there with, his, I think, with his mom, his mother. And uh, he had his big, you know, like you said, big, you know, Canon white lenses. I think he had a monopod on it, if I recall. Uh, but he's just kind of sitting in the shade for it because it's a bright and sunny, like June day, very, very hot and humid. Um, and I just like pass, I've never passed by so many nature photographers in one place. Like there's so many with like these dedicated ring light flashes, 
that like attached to the you know tip, <laughs> tip of your lenses. You know, they had like these uh, harness straps that were like <laughs> like mounted to their chest. It was like the funniest thing. But I, I like passed by dozens of them at this place, and they're all doing the same thing I'm doing. You know, and they're asking me. It was cool though because I kind of got over that kind of thing of like, oh, their gear is better than mine because they have more money. But like, I quickly got over that because I realized that's like we're all sharing the common like passion for what we do. Like, you know, I passed by someone's big old telephoto or whatever. And they'd be like, what'd you see? Anything good? Any, you know, dragonflies, damselflies, birds. Mm -hmm. Did you see the orchids? You know, stuff like that. Um, So um, it's, at least for me, um, I found that you quickly kind of get over that feeling of just unease, at least out in the field. But um, on the internet, it's a little different because you can hide behind a phone and just be like, oh. Yeah. See, I think that's part of my problem. Like I remember, and maybe kind of some of my own, photographers that have judged me in the past like i feel like i vaguely remember in the beginner days posting on some forums questions and then you know like getting the most rude answers back like there's oh. some really weird people on those forums like they just they get so obsessed about all the details and stuff so <laughs> it's, I don't it's, know. it's like they're not they're not commenting but they're interrogating uh-huh. you basically yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. i could see that and like even like recently i posted a question on b h photo like um I'm looking at a tripod and one of the things I I look for in a tripod is a removable center, uh, uh, like a removable center column. Right. Mm. So, um, I ask, you know, B&H has a nice question and answer section. So I just type in my question. Uh, a couple days later I get, why would you ask this? This is a professional tripod. <laughs> of course the center column is removable. You ask that or something. <laughs> he said asshole. Like he literally said asshole. Like, all, all in caps lock too. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much and i was like what the hell like get a life like i just was asking a question the center columns removable gosh yeah i mean so like i said people can hide behind a keyboard or a phone screen and they just want to you know rag on you for asking a silly question i mean it's not a silly question but you know something to them they're just like oh you know they scoff and think why would you ask that I don't. Yeah. I just don't. I don't know. I don't. There's this weird thing with that where people just get so insecure about their own work, and I'm like, why can't we all just get along? <laughs> you know, it's like we're all in this. Uh-huh. We're all in this together. We're all doing photographing similar same things, and it's like, what does it really matter? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, it, we called it confessions for a reason, so it's more like rambling at this point. <laughs> uh-huh. By the end of it. <laughs> oh shoot. Uh, okay. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> Harry is a sociopath. I know. Yeah. So <laughs> let me get to something a little more uh, lighthearted and wholesome. I don't know. So, I'm murder Ryan in his sleep. What? Jeez. Um, so my post processing workflow, um, I find is very redundant and samey, like half the time. Um, what I mean is that I feel like I feel like editing for me is on the computer is such a chore. Like I sit down with dozens of photos, like, you know, written out. I'm like, okay, I have all these image files I have to edit. And it's like, uh, like, you know, image export, computer crashes. And I'm like, great. I have to start that edit all over again. Cause I didn't save it or export it or anything. And then I just like end up getting really impatient. And I start just using the same global sliders, the same things to just edit each image. I will literally use like the same five, six, seven different sliders pretty much exclusively for any image, honestly, I take, and I just kind of churn them out. It's kind of become a formula almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like an editing style, but it's kind of just become this crutch and 
yeah, formula formulaic. It's just been something that's just kind of I've seen over time. I'm like, well, I need to like mix things up or try a new piece of software. I don't know where I just kind of feel like it's just become boring. I don't know. But then again, the joy for me is mostly going out anyways with the camera and being like in the moment. Um, I do like editing sometimes, but like I'm never really like sit down at the computer like, yay, I got like a hundred images to edit for the past month or two. Like it's never exciting to me necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say I struggle with that too, to extent. I don't know about you, but for me, it's like exposure, contrast, saturation, sharpness, and that's pretty much it. I, I really need to dive a little bit deeper in. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I should mention which ones I use. Um, so I use Skylum Luminar for most of my stuff. And then my HDR, I use uh, Skylum Aurora HDR. And uh, both both are good pieces of software. Um, I, they're kind of, they crash a lot though on my computer. I guess my computer's not up to date as it should be with the specs and everything. But um, they, they work great when they do work. Uh, so, but I pretty much use the same things, just basic adjustments, like uh, any kind of exposure, global sliders for exposure. Uh, typical stuff like contrast, um, maybe add a really slight vignette, um, sharpening, of course, at the end. Usually that's the last thing. Um, sometimes denoise, depending on the image, and just other things like clarity. Um, other than that, it's not too much else. Sometimes I'll throw in a dodge and burn, like if I want to like, light up maybe the eye of like a bird or its entire body or just stuff like that. But yeah, I just kind of, I don't know, it just feels too cookie cutter to me if that makes sense, where it just kind of feels like I'm just doing the same thing over and over with little to no variation. Um, I even use the same white balance most of the time. Um, I usually set the auto when I shoot in camera, but even after the fact, I just kind of keep all the, you know, the tint and temperature the same and just, I don't know. I don't really do this, but I know people will like buy a preset pack from their favorite photographer and mm-hmm. they'll just import their photos, put on a preset and there you go. Or they'll just no. export to JPEG right to their phone, put like a Sapia filter on it, and <laughs> there you go. So I don't want to, you know, you got to be intentional. Yeah. Y- yes. And it's just like film developing back in the day. It's it's 50% of the process. Definitely. Um, I, intention, editing with intention. I feel like that's, I think you just hit the nail on the head with that. Like you want to really look at, your image in front of you and be like, okay, this is a waterfall image. Maybe I'll use the Orton effect or I'll just, you know, dial back a little bit of contrast. So it's not too extreme or whatever, or desaturate it and convert it to black and white. Like you want to be more intentional. Um, I think the best photographers, they get maybe if they're lucky, they get one good or great image from each trip. And then they edit that, just that image. And they'll Mm -hmm. spend a considerable amount of time on it. They'll do, 20 or 30 minutes, they'll, they'll even make a video about it and share it with you, maybe on YouTube or something. And they'll show you the whole process. And they have like masking and layers, stuff that I'm not too familiar with. So maybe it's just my lack of knowledge is what's holding me back a little bit, um, where I just don't know what I'm doing. So, you know, overall, so I just kind of like, don't find it exciting, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, like, I really envy those photographers that can just spend that much time on an edit. I'm just not patient enough. Like when I take a photo, I just want to get it done. It's just, I don't know. Or even um, like astrophotography in nighttime. Like you ever seen them like type out the entire, like uh, what do you call it? Script of what they do and the exposure settings and 
it's insane how much details and technical info go into making a shot. And I'd be like, I stacked this 14 times. I used a different varying aperture focus. It's just like a crazy amount. And I'm like, how do you even, and then they stack them all in, you know, conversion or whatever software. And I just, it, I can't wrap my head around that. I'll do a few brackets of something, but like, I don't, I don't know. I just don't, uh, I guess the excitement for me comes from going outdoors and just seeing what I see and photographing accordingly. But I just don't find the excitement. In There's some people who even for hours. Yeah. There's some people who will even focal length blend. So they'll take a what? shot of the mountains, take a shot of the mountains at 70 millimeters and then take that same scene at 24 to get a nice large foreground. They'll combine the two together. It's crazy. I know <laughs> Gavin Hardcastle and Adam Gibbs do that. That's a thing. Nick, Nick Page. Yeah, it's crazy. So they do crazy, they, crazy. So wait, okay. So they take they have it let's say they have a tripod mounted on there. They have it pointed the same area. All they do is switch lenses, but they shoot two separate shots, right? Yep. Do they have the same camera settings? Yeah, but when you have like a wide angle lens, it can tend to shrink the thing in the background and emphasize the thing dis- in the distort it too or whatever. Yeah. So that's how they kind of avoid that. Hmm. It's that, crazy though. I, so I weird. <laughs> I've never heard of that, honestly. This is news to me. See, we learn things here on the podcast, don't we? <laughs> yeah. So what's your last one, Henry? Your last confession. All right. So my last one is going to great lengths to avoid people. <laughs> me too. Uh, me too. <laughs> Especially the, the, the COVID times, right? Yeah. Um, but even before that, I just don't like people. I don't like talking to them, especially <laughs> with camera gear. I just, they always ask me questions about it and I just feel comfortable and I just, I, I have social anxiety. So like, me you too. know, I just, it's just not something I want to do. And, you know, I'm out of nature. I'm enjoying things. I don't need to see another human being. <laughs> so I, it's not like I'm going to be rude, but if I can just yeah. hide, <laughs> why not? You know, I will take the longer trail just so I avoid uh, people. <laughs> I will walk through a swamp to avoid people. And I have done that before. You, you know what the best thing about a swamp is no one else is going to be there probably. So, <laughs> yeah, Gosh, I, I, I totally share the same sentiment with you. It's like, I, I'd rather, if I had to choose between lots of people and no people, I'd rather just know people. And as a consequence, I usually go out on very boring days. Like I said, boring flat light days, uh, rainy days, anything with extreme weather by a normal person's standards. Or I'll just go to a very large place that's very remote, like um, some of the largest state parks in my area. But I just, I'm the same way. I just, I'll be nice. Like there's some nice, genuinely nice people. I mean, I've never had really a bad experience uh, with people just asking what I'm doing or whatnot. But still, I just, I don't know. It breaks my concentration focus. And I just really don't want to have that. If I just hear people talking all the time um, and being loud and stuff and I get, it just makes me a little anxious, like you said, and then I just don't really produce the same images I want to take. Yeah, I I definitely see that. Um, you just gotta like, even if there are people around, um, you just gotta kind of ignore them. That's what I just learned to do. It's Have you ever had people stare at you, stare at you before, like for long periods of time while all, you're doing photos? All the time. <laughs> It's it's the weirdest when uh, the other day I was out at a whatever local park. It was early morning ish, but I was I was kind of romping through like a creek, a really shallow bed creek, 
um, with like a cliff side, um, some old, like, I believe dolomite. Um, I don't know my geology too well, but old, old like rock uh, kind of cliff sides. And I was in lower level part um, and there's really shallow Creek. And I was just looking at all the little cascades around me and I kind of look up and there's someone walking the opposite way. Um, just like an older gentleman or whatever. And he's just kind of doing the same thing. He's just kind of just, you know, splashed through the Creek a little bit, walking the other way. And he started like smiling and kind of look at me. I saw him mouth some words. I heard him say something, but like there's water next to me flowing. And I'm like, I kind of just awkwardly yelled out. And we were like a big distance away, like 15 feet. And he, I was just kind of like, what? <laughs> it was the weirdest encounter. And he's like, and then he got a little closer, I guess. And he's just like, got any good shots? I think that's what he said at least. And I was just like, oh yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm just being a little over analytical here, but I just I was like, maybe I sounded a little rude. Hey, I mean... Because if you catch me, well, off, if you catch me off guard, I'm going to sound really rude. Like, like if you've I'm, heard, you've heard my mugging story. I mean, you have every yeah, right have. to be suspicious <laughs> of people. Yeah, like if I know you're there and I'm consciously aware, you know, like I'll be nice. I'll say hi or something, especially if I'm just walking along the trail or something. But like if I'm like hunkered down on the side with this flower just in my frame, and I'm just like really focused on it, you know, and I hear behind me. Get any good shots as they walk by? I just like jump. First off, I jump because I freak out because I probably won't know you're there if you're being quiet, especially. But I'll be like, oh, yeah, sure. Like I'm working on it. You know, I, I just kind of come across that kind of like gruff, I guess, sort of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Part of me is just All right. like, leave us alone. But <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't mind them. I, I've grown to like I, I, I don't know about like I've, I've accepted, tolerated. Uh, seeing people at most places, especially the busier ones. Anyways, <laughs> mm-hmm. so my last confession here, um, I guess we kind of touched upon it briefly here, but my compositions can often become stagnant. And I feel like every photographer goes through this rut a little bit here and there, um, especially if you do this for years on end, like we have, um, is that you kind of just, you look over your work, your whole body of work, your portfolio, and you start to see similarities. And like I said, this is not really good or bad. It's a neutral confession. Pretty much all these are. Um, but I started noticing, well, these two shots, they're two years apart, two different locations far away from each other. I took them with two different lens choices. But like your eyes like are led into the scene the same way, whether it's like a, you know, a mode path on the trail or just whatever. Um, I just find with my compositions, sometimes... I like looking back on my work is that, you know, everything just kind of looks samey sometimes. Um, and, you know, you can call it stagnant because that sounds a little negative, but like maybe it's a, maybe it's like a strong suit. Maybe it's like your style. Maybe it's just something your eyes are just more gravitate and drawn to overall. But uh, what do you think, Henry? I like, would you say you are always shooting the same subjects or kind of the same general elements? Yeah, like like if it's a if I'm shooting a meadow or a prairie, and like like I use the example of the two years apart, yada yada, um, they might turn out the same. Or if I'm using like rule of thirds and I offset a tree in an open field, maybe I'll just offset it to the right. And I've taken those examples in particular. I can think of a few shots, and I've taken the same one, same style of shot, and I've done it like I said, two separate places and all that. And uh, you can call it a coincidence, but like. I feel like, like we we're saying, it's like photographing consciously. There's something about that that you have to like, like, kind of unpack and think about. Like, why do I like this layout, this setup, and why why am I so drawn to photographing in this sort of specific way? Yeah, 
I, I see that, but I don't always think that could be a bad thing. I mean, you can get a oh, nice yeah. mastery of those compositions and really kind of just yeah, you know, just become an expert on that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, by all means, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just something, these confessions, it's like something to just be consciously aware of habits and like what you're thinking, what you're seeing really becoming evident in your work. Uh, like macro flowers, I always, I pretty much always nowadays take a a uh, top-down shot of a flower. If it's like a wide bloom, um, I like to get like the face of it, if that makes sense. So I'll do like a top-down shot, mount it on a tripod, extension tube, all that stuff. And then I'll crop it to a one-to-one yeah. square. And that's become like my signature look, I guess, for flowers, you know. But Make sure you check out his Instagram to see those flowers. They're very yes. good. I, I, thank you. I, I have plenty of them. Um, and I shot them all in that same way. I do other things. I do break the mold. Um, don't get me wrong. But yeah, overall, it's like I have this set of like shots I have to get of each thing, if it's a flower or what have you. But certain things I have to look almost out for. Like a, almost like a checklist in your head. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's just things. Uh, it's like shots I have to get or, you know, compositions or, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that pretty much wraps up Henry Nye's uh, confessions here. Um, I guess if you want to leave a comment on the YouTube channel, or you know, DM us, or email us on Instagram, tell us your confessions and maybe like things that you know, habits you've noticed over time that uh, pertain to photography. Yeah, um, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Um, this is episode eleven, like we said. Uh, you know, we're, we're surprised we're going this long, but, you know, we're just going to keep doing it. Um, we hope you're enjoying. Um, before we kind of wrap up the show here, we're, <laughs> we're going to kind of talk about some announcements here. So, um, so announcements. Uh, yeah, actually, I have a big, pretty big deal. Um, just yesterday morning, I finally signed a contract. Woo! Yeah. What I mean is a photo. Yeah. yeah that, so, uh, feels like forever ago. A few episodes back, I announced... Uh, basically announced I had this big freelance kind of job, I guess, uh, with the local nonprofit I'm a member of. Um, it's a wetlands association. And so after some, you know, just shoot emails back and forth, messaging the executive director, uh, she finally emailed me back, uh, signed signed the contract that I proposed to them. And so I'm going to begin doing conducting some field work, um, doing mainly photographing events that they have with the members and the people that volunteer. Um, some other just kind of special events, like they have a tree distribution event um, coming up here soon at a local church, and I'm going to be like photographing them, doing the whole thing. And they also said there's going to be a lot more in the coming months and even year of doing some video work, uh, which would be very exciting. So anyways, there's just a whole lot to it, uh, but I'll just leave it at that. So I guess you could say I'm under contract a little bit here. So I'm really looking forward to it. And I already see, received my first payment actually for some photos. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's about $200 actually. Um, but for, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really humbled that they, I guess, you know, they chose me, I guess, of all people. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's just one of those things, you know, I shot the video, so they kind of saw that and they're like, that's cool. You know, they see the photos I take and I'm like, Hey, I've been a member for four years. I kind of know all most of you. And yeah, so I'm really just, like I said, humbled that they would hire me. And so this should be an ongoing thing. I hope. You have any announcements, Henry? I hope so as well. Thank you. Uh, well, I've I've really started kind of getting some portrait work. Um, I did a portrait shoot today for um, this family. Uh, it's four of them. 
Um, so that was fun. I, I also got paid two hundred dollars. So nice, nice. Pretty pretty good payout. <laughs> Congrats. Um, yeah. Uh, so that was fun. I just went down to a local park and I'm not really a studio kind of person. I like shooting out of nature. So uh, just got some nice, there was some nice goldenrod flowers. I don't know if he knows what those are, but yeah. Yeah. Some provided some great uh, backgrounds and it was fun. So um, I'm probably going to be launching pretty soon. Well, not that soon. I, I need to figure out stuff, but I'm going to be launching kind of a separate, maybe a separate Instagram for portraits because um, I do have a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm almost a senior and I have a lot of friends next year who want senior pictures. And I just know a lot of people who, you know, would like that kind of stuff. So, um, but I do still want to separate it from my nature photography because obviously it's, it's really two different things yeah. um, for me. It, it's, um, it's doable, but like it kind of, if you're just gonna, like at your main feed, it probably gets a little messy. Yeah. And then um, I, I do also, I'm in the early stages. I'm kind of looking at different options. Um, I do want to make a website, so I'll have probably a separate portrait area and then a separate nature area. But, good, uh, good idea. Right, right, yeah. Right now, I'm trying to decide between like Squarespace and uh, Smug Mug. Those are my two finalists, uh, but they're pretty similar prices. It's just a matter of I don't know, you know which one I use. <laughs> yeah, you're basically sponsored by them. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm kind of leaning towards Squarespace at the moment, just because they have this really cool feature where you can place your products in your Instagram. So, say I'm selling a print, and I post that photo, it's you can literally buy it right from there. Yeah, <laughs> I just I think that'd be really cool. Their e-commerce is pretty top notch, but Smartline's yeah. great as well. I've sold quite a few. Um, actually, recently, someone I know. Uh, bought two metal prints for me pretty big size uh, i believe 32 by 40 they're they're pretty big they're up there um several hundred dollars actually but yeah they ordered them and they're made from a print lab at least from smug mug um, and you could choose a print lab which is cool and they ship directly to that person so it kind of cuts out the the middleman i guess I, I really don't have to do much work i oversee the order like i get emailed and notified but like other than that that's pretty much it like i just kind of oversee it so but I mean, don't get me wrong. Squarespace is great as well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's pretty much it for my announcements. Um, I want to thank you guys again for watching. Yes, uh, thank you. We'll see you in the next podcast. Bye. Thank you so much for watching the Owl Outdoors Photography Podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the video version on YouTube as well. You can subscribe down below, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thank you.